Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 1st of December, and my name is Helen Freer. November was the best month for almost a year and a half for US equities. On today's show, I'll be talking about this and all the latest market news with Mike Rauber. And Tim Gage is here as well with all the latest on currencies and metals. But first up is Mike. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Helen. So we've just seen a very strong month for both bonds and equities in November. The S&P 500 gained 8.9% and the Eurostoxx 50 spiked 11.2%. And also bonds were up a lot. Tell us more, Mike. What are the details here? Yes. So for the S&P 500, it was its second best November since 1980, uh, behind only the pandemic-fueled rebound in uh, 2020. And gains were really broad-based. Even the underperforming U.S. small caps rose nearly 10%. And, you know, the rally in stocks was triggered by a plunge in bond yields. And just to give you one data point, with the drop in bond yields, the Bloomberg U.S. aggregate bond index rose 5% last month. And so it is showing its best monthly performance since 1980. And all of these means that a classic U.S.-centric 60% equity, 40% bond portfolio gained nearly 10% last month, its best monthly return since December 1991. This is according to a report uh, by Bank of America. And remember, what a turnaround. It was just a year ago that many called for seriously reconsidering 60-40 portfolios amid losses in both equities and bonds. And I understand the gains in November were really on the back of declining inflation expectations, which will open things up for central banks to lower rates next year, as we've talked about a number of times already on this podcast, correct? Yes, that's absolutely the case. And in fact, uh, just yesterday, we received November Eurozone inflation data that showed prices rose 2.4% on the year. And this is just very close to the ECB's own 2% inflation target. And with demand in the Eurozone week, also yesterday, it was reported that the French economy contracted in Q3. Our economics team has cut their 2024 Eurozone inflation forecast dramatically, uh, namely from 39 to 2.3%. So the data released yesterday weighed on the euro after recent gains, but I will leave it to our currency expert, Tim, to comment on currencies. And in the U.S., data releases uh, yesterday also pointed towards a soft landing in both terms of both growth and inflation. Now, the important core personal consumption expenditure price index, and this is the U.S. Federal Reserve's preferred inflation measure, rose 0.2% last month, up 3.5% on the year. But that is down from 3.7% as reported in the previous months. Okay, now let's talk about the OPEC Plus meeting, which took place yesterday, because the OPEC Plus members reached an agreement to cut the oil supply by 900,000 barrels a day. But I see the oil price was actually lower yesterday. So what's the story there? So I guess the story is that OPEC Plus matters, but it is not the only one that matters. Now, right after the announcement, oil rose. But when it became clear that these cuts are largely voluntary, Oil prices reversed and closed $2 lower on the day. Now, crude oil is at $76 a barrel this morning when I last looked. Now, all of this is happening as oil was, was now, is now down for the second month in a row. Um, and uh, this is on a shaky demand outlook. 
but also increased supply outside of OPEC plus country. And the US, uh, it was just reported yesterday, it is the world's largest oil producer and its crude output hit a record high of 12.3 million barrels per day in September. Okay, and anything to report out of Asia this morning? Um, yes, shares in Asia are starting the, the month a tad lower, but shares in China are off their lows following an unconfirmed report that state-owned firms bought equity ETFs. Uh, China's uh, Kaijin Manufacturing PMI edged a little higher to 50.7 in November, so it is above the 50 threshold that indicates an expansion for the first time in two months. But uh, now the report follows official survey Thursday that showed factory and services activity actually shrunk. So some mixed data out of China this week. And in Japan, I saw an interesting report that an electric power company decided to sell a floating rate bond as it is seeking to attract investors concerned about rising rates. And now uncertainty about when the Bank of Japan will move away from its ultra-easy monetary policy has led some Japanese companies cancelling new bond issues this year, as it ex can expose investors to immediate mark-to-market losses when uh, interest rates rise. Okay, and just lastly then, what about the day ahead? What should investors be looking out for? Yeah, so now hostilities between Israel and Hamas have broken out overnight again. So let's see how this story evolves. But at the moment, markets are reacting mostly calmly. Gold is pretty much unchanged at $2,040 an ounce. Uh, traders are also awaiting remarks from Fed Chair Jerome Powell for clues on the central bank's next steps. Expected data releases today include Q3 Swiss GDP and final manufacturing PMI figures for the EU and the UK. And lastly, the S&P, the, rate, the rating agency S&P is giving an update on France's credit rating, which stands at AA, but debt to GDP is at a high level of 110%. So um, investors are looking keenly on what the S&P decides. But that's all from me. And back to you, Helen. Very good. Thanks very much, Mike, for the comprehensive roundup this morning. Thank you, Helen. Now, Tim, good morning. Good to have you on the show this morning. Good morning, Helen. Nice to be here. So we've just heard a bit from Mike about some weaker European inflation data. Does this mean a return to dollars? Uh, not entirely, no. We did also have some much stronger than expected US PMI data and pending home sales were quite decent yesterday afternoon as well. But despite this, dollar buying was pretty muted. The euro did pull back somewhat, but it was more of a general move. We saw euro sterling back down to quite close to 0.86. This cross has dropped every day for over a week now. And at the end of the day, Euro Swiss even dipped below 95, although this seemed to have more to do with some quite remarkable month-end fixing flows into the Swiss franc. Still not too clear where we go from here, but after riding a wave of being negative dollars for some time, I was a bit nervous at 110 euro dollar on Wednesday, and I do think that it makes sense to reduce short dollar exposure there a little bit. We get back up there, probably the same story in cable at 127. I do still think the dollar has more weakness to go. But a much wiser and wealthier man than me once said that nobody ever got poor on profits, which is hard to argue with. I would rather be overall short dollar, though. I don't see an argument for going back into the greenback, and any profit taking would only be to reload at better levels. And what about the yen? We heard some talk about yen strengths. Uh, what's going on there? Yeah, the yen's done all right this week. 
had a nice recovery against the dollar and even against the euro, mainly due to yesterday's euro move in that case. But for example, it is still only 100 pips or so of its weakest level against the pound. So I don't think we should get too carried away. It's always tempting to see a move in one currency against another and assume it is entirely to do with the one that is strengthening or indeed the one that's weakening. But more often than not, it is a combination of two opposing moves. That is the joy of FX and why it is so important to look at crosses when you assess currency moves. For example, off the back of a more hawkish than expected Reserve Bank of New Zealand, the Kiwi yen cross, New Zealand dollars against Japanese yen, is actually at the highest level of the year, and indeed the highest level since 2015. So anyone getting all excited about monster flows back into yen or yield curve control adjustment, yeah, I need to take a step back and realise that so far, this is really not what's going on. I stick to my personal view that trying to capture the moment when the yen finally returns to normal levels is a very expensive game indeed. I think my father would have called it a fool's errand, and it's not one that I am willing to attempt. And as usual, gold is an important topic. It pushed up to $2,050 this week. What are your thoughts on this? Gold still looks to me to be too high. I know the argument that says that as dollar rates come down, sorry, as US rates come down, I should say, gold becomes relatively less expensive to hold. And with all the turbulence around, people will prefer to be long. I'm just not convinced. I still think that if US rates continue to soften, and even if the geopolitical situation does nothing other than just not get worse, there will be an extension of this risk appetite that we've actually already seen quite significantly this month, sorry, last month. We know that there has been some decent deleveraging this year as funding costs rise. But if funding costs start to slide again, investors might be inclined to look again at some uh, borrowing. And this borrowing is not going to be used, in my view, to buy a zero yielding asset. What seems more likely is an eventual profit taking of winning but low yielding positions. And I know just too many people who did not sell in 2020, 2021 or at the start of this year which is the last three times we were at the level we are at today or even slightly higher. So I know I've said this many times before, but all the protection in the world doesn't do you much good if you don't ever take any profits because the cost of disposition mounts up over time. At the moment, it costs you 5% to hold gold versus dollars in lost yield. So I still think it makes sense to reduce long gold exposure if you did not do so already. I wouldn't go short. This is too dangerous. And you can certainly look at derivatives such as reverse convertibles. But up here and so near to the massive resistance between $2,065 and $2,075 per ounce, even a bit of direct selling can make sense. Okay, very clear. So overall then, as we embark on the last month of what's been a turbulent year, where do you see the opportunities? So aside from some potential profit taking in gold, as I mentioned, I am going to continue to earn my reputation of a dog with a broken record, to mix my metaphors somewhat, and once again point out that Sterling Swiss is sat around 110.50. It flew up to 111.50 earlier in the week and only really pulled back due to some very aggressive Swiss franc buying yesterday for month end. This is still my favourite trade. And you can also express it by switching some Sterling loan exposure into Swiss franc loan exposure, if you have some, to benefit from the massive difference in interest rates, which is the main purpose of the trade, really. Otherwise, I am rather inclined to keep things a bit light. I am, as I mentioned, still quite bearish dollars, but I'm reluctant to sell the dollar here. I think I'd rather wait for a pullback or maybe jump onto a confirmed move through some key levels, maybe a clear break of 110 in euro dollar. 
I'm not a big fan of chasing after things, however. So mostly I think I would be taking profits on things that have done well and propping up the fangs through binging Netflix and hitting the online shopping hard. So thank you, Helen, as always, for the chat. Thank you, everyone who's listening. And good luck to any Geneva-based listeners who are running the Escalade or even the famous nighttime course du Duke this weekend. Let's hope for clear skies. Wow, very good. Thanks a lot, Tim, for the update this morning. So that is all for today. Thank you again to today's guests and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show and you haven't yet subscribed, then don't forget to do so. And please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. And do join us again next week. I'll be back on Monday talking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. So have a great day, everyone, and then a great weekend. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.